This is the Elevators Podcast. We discuss all things elevating your life, work, and relationships as you are building your business and yourself. Here is your host, yours truly, Dylan Buck. Hello again, and welcome back to the Elevators Podcast. Today, we dive into the first part of a three-part series, walking through the full cycle of the sale. Now, the sales cycle is the skeleton to our presentation. It is the foundation that every record-breaking salesperson in our company has built their success from. We'll discuss the approach to the buying atmosphere in part one, the demo through the closing steps in part two, rebuttals in part three, and general sales principles throughout. Today, we talk through the anatomy of the approach and the ins and outs of the introduction, which are arguably the most important steps in our cycle. Keep in mind as you're listening to these three episodes, the sales conversation you've memorized works and it works well. This content is just here to help you further understand the why behind the what. You'll naturally improve the more that you practice and internalizing the ideas that we discuss today can only amplify your effectiveness in the field as a sales professional. So let's dive in. All right, so we get to dive into the cycle of the sale. Now, before we do uh, dive fully into this, a couple disclaimers, right? The sales presentation that you learned in sales school, that is the skeleton, right? It's the foundation of every bit of the sales process that you will continue with for the rest of your family heritage career. Now, having said that, when you are being trained or you're following someone else in the field, then they have already gotten to the point where they are personalizing their presentation, right? So as I'm sure you've probably heard already, what we do with our presentation is we memorize it and then we internalize it so it becomes a part of us. And then from that, we can personalize it. So again, anybody that you're following in the field has already gotten to the point where they're personalizing their sales presentation so it sounds more like them. In other words, they've put muscle on the skeleton, Right, And every time you develop a new tool or learn a new rebuttal or learn how to say something a different way in a different tone so that people receive it better, right? that's another muscle that we add to our skeleton. So again, in sales school, we learn the skeleton, we learn the foundation, and then everything else builds from that. And then again, it doesn't mean you're adding a bunch more words to the sales presentation. It just means it sounds more and more like you. So, uh, the introduction we are going to be doing, if you if you're familiar with the, the sales process, that is CPR, uh, Amberly touched on it a little bit in one of our prior episodes, but CPR is cut, pour and remedy in the introduction. We're doing a lot of cutting and pouring, right? Cutting the wound open and then pouring salt into it. Now that sounds pretty, pretty brutal, pretty cutthroat salesy, <clears throat> but it's really not. Right. What we're doing is we are when we're cutting open the wound is we're asking a question that lets them think about something as if it has already occurred and let them experience the emotions prior to that thing ever happening so that they can realize how important it is to prevent it or put something in place that makes that whole process less stressful. Right. 
We simply get to have them experience it before they actually experience it so they are prepared for it when it happens. That is the point of cutting and pouring. All right, so again, intro, a lot of cutting and pouring. There are minor uh, remedies throughout. Every time we say that's exactly what this is for, right? That's a small dose or a little teaser of the remedy that we get to provide for them. But the, the real remedy occurs when we provide all of the proof of the things that we were talking about and how we're going to protect their finances in the demonstration, which will be uh, in our next episode. So uh, one thing I want to make sure that we are all familiar with before we dive into this is the definition of selling, right? What is selling? Selling is finding a need and providing a service, right? It's that simple. We find a need and we fill it. Selling is also a transference of feelings or a transference of emotions, right? Meaning that it is important for us to not just robot our way through the sales presentation, but to really be there with them, right? Be in the thick of the the scary situations that people go through with them. Listen to the stories that they've, they've gone through themselves or had people close to them go through and sit in that uncomfortability with them, right? Help them feel that emotion. Yeah, that's important, right? This is a, all these things that we talk about in our career, you know, the accidents, the heart attack and strokes, the cancer, people being in the ICU, all that stuff is real, right? It happens. And we need to make it real when we're sitting down with people. So first off, anytime I'm going into a business, I'm doing a, giving myself a Big, full, deep breath. So do it with me. And I always feel so much better after a a nice, big, deep breath. And I just kind of reset myself and bring myself back to my peak state. If you listen uh, to Attitude, Mindset, and Belief um, and look at that peak state meter, just keep yourself there or bring yourself to that point uh, before you go into a business because then you're going to be approaching as the person that you want to show up as. Um, and then from there, it, before I go into a business, I give myself a buying atmosphere. Okay. I don't know if we're going to protect 10 people in here or zero people in here, but I'm going to do my dead level best. I'm going to do my dead level best and be the best approach that I've ever given. Right. And the reason that it's so important to give yourself a buying atmosphere before you go into a business is because a buying atmosphere, right? It's not just a, a paragraph. That's a part of the sales talk. Right, it's your aura. It's your it's your body language. It's you know if you're coming in with a with commission breath, like ah, I need to make a sale. That is not a buying atmosphere, right? And people can read that in your tone and and everything. So we cannot give what we do not have. So we get to give ourselves a buying atmosphere, so we can genuinely give other people a buying atmosphere. And we'll get into the buying atmosphere obviously here in a little bit after we work through the approach and the introduction. So first things first, the approach, right? When we walk into a business, it is immensely important that we just smile big, right? We've heard it time and time again. It is hard to say no to a smiling idiot. So just be that smiling, friendly idiot when you walk into a business. Hey, (laughs) uh, my name's Dylan, right? So I'm sure even through the audio, you can hear me smiling. So that's so important, right? That we come in with a smile, 
And uh, I, my intention here is that everybody is more convicted in the psychology behind the approaches that we use and the, the approaches that you were taught in sales school. First thing to understand, if you are smiling and you're friendly and you're confident, even if you totally botch the approach, people are going to sit down with you because they like who you are and who you're being, right? But when you are walking into a business and you got a big, you know, shit-eating grin on your face and uh, you've got an iPad in your hand, people's immediate thoughts are, who are you, right? Who are you? Who are you with? Are you in the right place? Why should I care? What are you here for? And how long is this going to take? Right? So pay attention to our approach. Right? Now it doesn't they don't have all those questions all, all at the same time like who are you who are you going who are you with? Are you in the right place? Why should I care? What are you here for? And how long is this going to take? Right? Those questions don't go through their heads the entire time. They come after each step of our approach. Right? So hey, I'm Dylan who are you? I'm Dylan. Who are you with? With family heritage. And we're covering these objections as they come up in their heads, which is why it's really important for us to go low and slow, right? Speak clearly and speak slowly so we can just answer these objections right as they come up because it just makes sense for them to sit down with us after we answer every single objection that pops into their head. So who are you? Hey, I'm Dylan. Who are you with? With family heritage. And are you in the right place? I'm just in charge of catching up with all the businesses here locally. Okay, this is a business. He's in the right place. But why should I care about this guy? I was just catching up with Don uh, across the street at Les Schwab, the manager over there. And uh, I don't know if you know Sally, uh, who runs the salon right next door to you guys. Right? She knows both those people. Okay, so, okay, what what is this guy doing? You know, what was he here for? Uh, I just wanted to stop by to introduce myself. Oh, okay, he's friendly. And uh, let you know what we do for about 20 to 30 businesses uh, just right around you guys. But uh, how long is this going to take? I just get a few minutes. Do you have a place that we could sit? Right? So we are actively covering every objection that pops up in their brain as we go word for word through the sales presentation, through the approach. Right? And that's why, again, that is why I'm going to reemphasize this. That's why it's important for us to go low and slow. So they have time to come up with the objection, but it's coming up right as we're about to answer the objection that is naturally going to come up in their heads. So again, those questions that naturally come up as long as we are going low and slow are who are you? Who are you with? Are you in the right place? Why should I care? What are you here for? How is it, How long is this going to take? So... Now that you know those questions, let's listen to the approach. Hey, uh, I'm Dylan with Family Heritage, and I just get to catch up with all the businesses here locally. Uh, I was just catching up with uh, Don, the manager over at the Les Schwab, and Sally, just right next door. And just want to make sure I caught up with you guys for a minute, uh, just to introduce myself and let you know what we do for about 20 to 30 businesses just right here locally. Uh, But man, I just get a few minutes. Uh, do you have a place that we could sit real quick? And I'm at that point, I am breaking eye contact and looking to where I want to sit. All right. And if there's obviously no place to sit, is it cool if I just show you right here? And I'm just breaking eye contact and I'm looking right at the desk in front of me and I'm putting my iPad right there. I'm like, oh yeah, of course. And then we just start through 
the introduction. I guess before we move into the second approach, the one thing that I want us to pay attention to is the the tone of voice, right? It's all very friendly. It's very assumptive. It is pleasantly persistent um, as we're going through the approach. Now, sometimes you will get an objection like, ah, no, sorry, not right now. Or what exactly are you doing? It's like, yeah, (laughs) I guess the best way to describe it or explain it is if you were to get hurt or sick and you couldn't work for, you know, three months, six months or a year or longer, you probably still want to get a paycheck, right? Yeah. So uh, I can show you in about five minutes how we can get cash paid directly to you in case of an emergency. Uh, Is it cool if I just show you right here? Again, break eye contact, look to where you want to show them. So all the uh, the objection is after the first approach is I just need a little bit more information, right? That's all they're saying. I need a little bit more information. What is this about? Now, if they're aggressive and rude, <laughs> then probably not worth your emotional energy. You know, if they're neg, shake a leg, get out of there, go talk to the next prospect. So, but again, in the approach, low and slow, smile, friendly, and, uh, and be confident. Now, after we're sitting down, right, the only intention in the approach is to get a sit down. So now that we're sitting down, right, when we're building rapport, the only intention is to become a human, become a human being. Right? I'm cool. You're cool. Let's hang out. Once you've become a, a person, not a salesperson, that is when it is time to move on. But I see so many natural extroverts just have these outlandish conversations about absolutely nothing um, to the point where, you know, people are like, hey, this person's awesome. Let's go golfing. But they aren't going to buy a policy from them because they don't trust them to protect them financially when things hit the fan. Right. They are they've created an unprofessional relationship as opposed to a professional relationship gearing someone up for a serious conversation about how we can protect them if something does happen. So just become a human and then move in to the presentation. All the fun conversation can come after they have you've gotten their bank account information and they are protected and you're solidifying the sale. You know, build a relationship, go play golf with them. Awesome. Um, just don't overbuild rapport before you jump into the presentation because you'll take them off the rails. Unfortunately, the sales conversation is structured so that we are building rapport the entire way through if we're doing it right. right? The best rapport is built when they, they see that they can trust us, when they're telling us something real, something hard that they have gone through or someone close to them has gone through, and they can see that we are intentionally and actively listening to everything that they're going through. And then we respond with empathy, right? It's like, Oh, this is a good person, right? We are building trust and we're building rapport throughout the entire thing. And I'm sure you've already noticed at some point that sometimes transitioning between building rapport and the introduction can be kind of awkward. So it's important to know how to transition. And at times, obviously you'll be with people that just, you know, they're, they're talkers. So uh, a polite way to just kind of gear the conversation back into the sales presentation and transition is, uh, oh, oh man. And uh, yeah, I want to just, I just want to make sure I'm being really respectful of your time. And I've got a lot of people that I, that I need to make sure that I see today. Um, but really what we do for um, a lot of employees, a lot of business owners and employees is we just make sure that you guys are protected financially. 
So if you guys ever get hurt or sick or anything like that, we just want to make sure that you're still getting paid. Sound cool? So, and then we dive into our three main categories, right? Everybody knows someone, everybody that I've talked to knows at least one person that's gone through cancer. Heart disease is one of those things that runs in families. And obviously accidents can happen to anybody at any time. But for you, which one of those would you say sticks out to you personally the most? Right? And sometimes you're going to have people be like, ah, none of them really stick out to me. And that doesn't mean that they're not a buyer. Like that doesn't mean, that just means that none of them really stick out. In which case, your job is to be on their side, right? You don't want to combat them. You don't want to fence with them. You want to stay on their side. So I'm just, awesome. <laughs> That's great that you haven't seen a lot of this stuff. I guess, do you think it's possible though that any of this stuff could happen to either of us? Yeah, for sure. So I guess, which one would you think is most likely to happen to you? And most of the time, if at this point, if the other ones don't stick out, they're going to choose accidents and injuries, right? And uh, it's like, well, and then you just ask them, have you, have you ever been through any kind of accident before? You're broken a bone, gotten stitches on or off the job. Because a lot of times you'll notice when you're sitting down with people, they're like, oh, I've never gotten hurt. But they're really, what they're thinking in their head is I've never gotten hurt on the job. Because they're thinking workman's comp, they're thinking about covering their work. But we protect them 24-7. So you ever broken a bone playing sports or anything like that, right? Some memory joggers. Oh yeah. Yeah. Broken bones for sure. I've had people say they've never gotten hurt before to tell me they've broken like 12, 15 bones because they were thinking at work versus not off work. And then we read the statistic that is of no surprise that 90% of accidents occur when they're not working. Now, most of the time, one of them is going to stick out, right? Whether it's heart or cancer or accidents, one of them is going to stick out and when they pick one, you know, as you, as you know, in the sales presentation, Hey man, a lot of people say that, which is true. A lot of people do pick that. A lot of people have gone through every single thing that you're sharing. And, but I guess, why does that stick out to you? What makes, what makes you pick that one? And a good physical cue just to kind of shut up is to put your finger over your mouth so that you know, it's their turn to talk. And so that they know it's their turn to talk and your turn to listen and just really listen to the crazy stuff that they've been through or the crazy stuff that they've seen other people go through. You know, listening. This is where we really, really build trust and build rapport is when we are listening because they expect salespeople just to talk and talk and talk. So, <clears throat> um, yeah, these are hard things that these people are talking about a lot of, a lot of times. So, and then when you click into it, man, I don't know if this comes as any surprise to you seeing that this happened to that person or this happened to you or, or whatever the situation may be using their story, showing that you're listening. Um, but three out of four families deal with cancer or heart disease, is a leading cause of death for both men and women, or this year alone, there'll be over 5,000 disabling injuries every hour, which is like 90 every minute, right? Does that shock you at all? Right? A lot of times, sometimes they'll say yes, sometimes they'll say no, obviously. And then, but let's say we're talking about accidents and injuries. It's like 90% of the time, these things happen when people are not working. Right? So most of the time, 90% of the time, workman's comp isn't going to help you. So that's what we want to help people understand is they're thinking, oh, I'm covered. I got workman's comp. I'm, you know, these things that are happening at work, 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 work. 90% of accidents occur when people are not working. So we want them to understand that we cover them 24 seven, whether they're on the job, off the job or on vacation. If they get hurt, they get paid. We move on. But it's important when we share, when we're sharing those statistics that we're communicating them very clearly, 
because we all know that the hospital is filled with people that didn't plan on being there yesterday, right? Tomorrow, there's going to be lots of people there that didn't plan on being there today. And for all we know, the person that you're talking to could be one of those people that are. So this gets to be a very intentional conversation. So just understand, right? The statistics are there to put in perspective how real and common this stuff is. And when the numbers don't surprise them, part of them realizes that it could happen to them. And we build on that the rest of the time. And then we get into the most important page to help them understand what we do, right? which is the direct and indirect cost page. So important thing to ask, right? You know, obviously everybody knows about the direct cost, hospital bills, doctor bills, stuff like that. Uh, do you have pretty good health insurance, right? You're going to get one of three responses. First response is that they do have great health insurance, in which case, awesome, commend them. That's great that you guys have a good health insurance. We have nothing to do with that. Use your tone to totally take it off the table and to put us in a totally separate category because we are, right? The second category is that they don't have health insurance, and you just want to stay on their side, right? Man, yeah, I mean, a lot of people don't have health insurance just because of how outrageously expensive it is. And a lot of times they're going to say, yeah, that's exactly why we don't have it, right? So, you know, this will probably make a lot of sense for you. Um, we have nothing to do with the health insurance side of things. We help out with the other side of the iceberg, the indirect cost, which as you can see is four times larger when it comes to the accidents and injuries page. You know, use the the correct... Um, amount with whether you're using you know heart or, or cancer or whatever um, and then the third option is oh yeah I've got actually I do have health insurance I have it through Medicaid and the good, good rule of thumb is just help these guys understand that this probably isn't the best fit for them because uh, unfortunately if they have Medicaid Medicaid can technically take any benefit that we send to them so health insurance awesome glad you have health insurance we have nothing to do with that don't have health insurance, man, a lot of people don't have health insurance because of how outrageously expensive it is. Have Medicare, or Medicaid, excuse me, Medicare's fine. Medicare is just like health insurance. If it's Medicaid, then we just help them understand that this might not be a best fit for them. Um, you can also just let them know this is a savings plan, so essentially it just forces you to save money for the next 25 years, and if they want to use it for a savings account because they cannot save money on their own, then they can do that. But as long as they are very, very aware that that's the only thing it's going to be for them is a place as a forced savings account. Because <clears throat> there are plenty of people that have Medicaid and are making plenty of money <laughs> somehow. And then so, but either way, we have nothing to do with that. We help out with the other side of the iceberg, which are the indirect costs. And something for all, everybody, all, everybody that's listening should know is that indirect costs are the leading cause of bankruptcy in the United States. And that's what we protect people from, right? The indirect side of things. So it's important to ask these questions, right? Ask, so when it comes to the indirect costs, what are some of the first things that come to mind? Or do you have any idea what kind of things fall into the indirect category of costs? And a lot of times they're not going to, you know, but they're going to be thinking, you know? Um, and if they are thinking and they're answering, right? If they're, when we ask these questions and they're talking, right? When they're talking, you're selling, Right? And we're going to get into more so the idea of, you know, people, how much people believe of what we say and what they say here in a little bit. Um, but when they're talking, you're selling. And that's why it's important to ask these, these questions and just sit in silence and wait for them to respond. 
And, um, and then the critical question on this page that I see people skip over all the time is, well, let's say, God forbid you were hurt or you were sick and you couldn't work for six months, a year, or even longer. How would that impact you financially? Just say it. Like, let them feel that discomfort, right? Man, uh, yeah, that would, we'd be screwed. We would be in a very, very scary place. And help them understand that most people, and again, most people would be. And then ask them, what are some of the bills that you would worry about the most? And then that creates a pain point for them as well as it keeps them talking as opposed to us talking through the entire conversation. Right? So that's exactly what this is for. So that's our first remedy. Right? That's exactly what this is for. Right? <gasps> Man, that would be awful if that happened. What, what would I do? That's exactly what this is for. Okay, this person has a solution for a problem that I just realized that I have, right? Selling is finding a need and filling it. One of the biggest indirect costs is just that simple loss of income, right? Because when your income slows down, obviously your bills don't slow down at all, right? If you were out for a long time, which one of these bills would, would impact you guys the most? And just listen. Even the best insurance companies have limitations with deductibles and co-pays and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, now, if they don't have health insurance, then it's important to bring that back in, right? And if you don't have health insurance, you're paying for everything out of pocket. So we just help you do that, right? The out-of-pocket expenses add up really, really quick when people are traveling to treatments, they're paying for food, gas, hotels. So you want to help them realize that it's like paying for a really long, expensive vacation with none of the fun. So, and the basic idea, right, is as our income goes down, when we're hurt or we're sick and we're not working, our expenses go up. And then this is another critical question, but when do you think most people realize that? Now, I want you to realize that I emphasize most because as I've seen people go through the sales presentation and they just say, when do you think most people realize this? Um, and a lot, sometimes it's going to be fine. They're like, oh yeah, probably after something happens, but also sometimes they're going to be like, um, maybe they're just, maybe they've got a little bit of an ego and they get it. And that just seems like a stupid question to them. You know, they don't really know, or maybe they're spacing out. This either snaps them back in or makes it, makes them realize that you're not talking about them. You're thinking about, you're talking about most people, right? So obviously they know this, but most people realize this after it, when it's too late. So when do you think most people realize this? Like, oh, when it's too late, for sure. So as of right now, God forbid something happened today, today, what do you have as a backup plan to protect your savings and to protect your income? Right? And they're usually like, uh, nothing, you know. Or they'll even, even though you said savings, they'll maybe say savings or, you know, if we could sell stuff or we'd, we'd, we'd be all right. And yeah, some people that we're talking to would be all right. But I've got a good amount of money in my savings account and in investments and in assets. But if something happened, yes, I would be all right. But I don't want to get rid of my savings. I don't want to take money out of investments, right? I don't want to sell assets, so I'm glad I have this. And most of us earn a lot more than the people that we're talking to. And we have this. So it makes sense for them, even if they're earning a good amount of money. 
Now, if they're a billionaire, yeah, they're probably good. They're probably all right. <laughs> and yeah, so usually the first place people go is their savings, right? Investments, retirement funds, college funds for kids, right? Obviously not, not the most fun option, right? It's there, but it's not the most fun option. And if we get past that, people start selling everything they've worked their entire life to acquire. So that's why we came up with care, right? There is a better option. We just get to protect your assets, your family, your savings. And we do that by simply skipping the middleman and paying benefits directly to your bank account, just like a paycheck, right? Health insurance pays doctors. We pay you and we pay you on top of anything else that you already have in place, right? And we can provide coverage for both for just you or for your entire family. So you actually probably know a lot of people that we work with. Now, this is another important part where when you're showing the names, right? If there's a big names list, spend time on that names list, open it up. Who do you know the best? And just have them look at all of them. Even if they don't know anybody, they are seeing that there's a lot of names next to the town that they live in. Now, a lot of times I've, I've worked in a lot of areas where there are zero names, which awesome. I'm not going to show the names list at that point, right? I, you know, I'm going to ask them, you know, did you grow up here? And if they didn't, they grew up in a town on the other side of the country, small town in, you know, in Iowa, then I'll go to that small town in Iowa and pull up the names list in that area and see if they know a few people. And sometimes they do. And it's, that's a very, it's a very fun way to, to make a connection. And then if there's no names at all and they've lived there their entire life and it's just a untouched area, then I'm just going to use abundance language. Right. And what I mean by that is, man, there's, you probably know a lot of people that, that have this, that work with us already. We work with over 13 million policyholders nationwide, right? And the reason that so many people get it, so again, they've either lived somewhere else and they just moved there, go to their hometown, show them where there's a names list. If there's not, if there's not a names list there, um, if there is a big names list there, spend time with it. And if there's no names list at all and they lived there their entire life, just use abundance language. Right, the reason that everybody's been getting this, the reason so many people get this, I mean, we work with over 13 million policyholders nationwide. Right, is it's a very simple product. You're going to know right away if you want it. It's affordable. There's a different level of coverage for every budget, and it's an easy decision because if you need the coverage, it's there for you. But if you don't ever actually end up needing us, we refund every penny back to you. Right, the only way to lose is if you need it and you don't have it. So it just we're painting the picture here that it is a win-win-win. If they need it, it's there. If they don't need it, it's there. And then at this point, in order to silence their mind and curiosity on how this whole return of premium thing works, it's important for us to note, and I'll show you exactly how that works here in just a second, but just a couple things about the company. And that way we're not divulging too much information before it's time. And then... The next part of this, the page where we go through the A-plus with the Better Business Bureau, with A&M Best, and the 120 years that we've been in business as Globe Life, our, our financial strength rating, right? We've been around for a long time. We've got customer service that is second to none. All of these things are tools to build credibility and to build trust around our product. So make sure that you're sharing those things with the intention of getting the point across that we're not going anywhere. <laughs> we're a fortune 500 company. Now these are not things that you need to say. You don't need to say we're a fortune 500 company, all these things, but you want to communicate all of that stuff without saying it, right? Just with the conviction that you share the a plus the a plus and the 120 year statistics with, and then we get to move into 
one of the most important, one of the most crucial parts of the cycle, which is reading a claim, where we get to use someone else's words to explain how important what we do is, right? People trust 50% of what we say. They trust 75% of what other people say, right? So we're moving into deeper levels of trust when we're using, when we're um, reading a claim rather than sharing a personal testimonial. We use someone else's story to share how real this is. And then everything that they've said up to this point about them not having a backup plan, right? They believe 100% of all the things that they've said, which is why it's important for us to ask really good questions and then let them talk through their response. Now, when you're reading a claim, you want to read a claim with emotion, right? You don't want to just read through it like you've read through it a, a thousand times because you have. And if you've gone through something a thousand times, it's probably time to read a different claim to find new levels of conviction and to, you know, to read something you haven't read a lot before. Now, having said that, if you're reading a claim upside down, you shouldn't read it towards you. You should face it towards them, which means you probably should have read it at home enough to the point where you can read it smoothly clearly and with emotion when you're sharing it with a prospect, right? And then, you know, it's whether it's a, let's say it wraps up with, you know, family heritage kept me out of bankruptcy and saved me from homelessness um, or whatever, right? So obviously nobody plans to go through anything serious, but when something happened to them, we paid them $135,000 or $140,000 or $70,000 or whatever the example is, right? And then asking another, you know, trial closing question, which is, can you see how if something happened, that would relieve a lot of financial stress? Can you see how if something happened, that would relieve a lot of financial stress? Right, when they say yes, they are the ones, you're not telling them, that would relieve a lot of stress if, if, uh, uh, if something happened, it's asking them so that they say yes, because they are believing what they say. That's so important. And then, you know, read one claim minimum. I would say two claims is ideal um, or more, but get the point across. And then once, if you share these correctly, it should be pretty evident that your job is not to pitch them. So then when you say, my job's not to pitch you on this, it's believable. Like, hey, so this stuff could happen to anybody. My job's not to pitch you on this. It's just to show you how the benefits actually work, right? When I sit down with employees, about half of them get it and about half of them don't. So if for whatever reason you find yourself in that second boat, it's no big deal, right? We'll just cross you off, right? And this is where that buying atmosphere that you gave yourself before you came into the business comes full circle because you actually gave it to yourself, which means that you have it to give to someone else, Right? which means that, that that'll shine in your, you know, shine in your eyes <laughs> and come out in your tone. Just, hey, my job's not to pitch you on this. If it makes sense, awesome. If not, it's no big deal. Now, there are two parts to the buying atmosphere that we really, really want people to understand, right? A lot of people think it's just taking the pressure off, right? There's two parts to it. One is taking the pressure off and help them understand it's okay to say no. And a lot of people say no, right? But they've already told you, 10, 15 times with your trial closing questions that this makes sense for them, right? And so take the pressure off. It's okay if they say no. You've already provided the opportunity. You've done a good job listening. You've, you know, you've been empathetic with them. You've provided all the information. That's what we're there, we're there to do is educate them on how something could really help them. We can't make them buy this, right? Um, the second part of them, 
part to the buying atmosphere is helping them understand that this is they're in a buying situation, right? They are in a buying situation. They and they need to decide, right? In the next five minutes, they're going to know whether or not they want this, whether or not they need this. So they're going to decide whether or not they want this or whether or not they need this, right? So buying atmosphere in full. So my job, I mean, my job is not to pitch you on this, right? My job is just to show you how the benefits work. And if you like it and it makes sense, we're going to go ahead and get you taken care of today, right? But about half the people I sit down with get it and about half of them don't. So if for whatever reason you find yourself in that second boat, I'm just going to go ahead and cross you off, right? No big deal. Um, the one favor I ask is after I take you through the benefits and obviously answer any questions that you have, just give me a big yes, I want it, or a big no, I don't, because we really don't know what tomorrow has in store, right? And then if they give you any kind of hesitation whatsoever, say, here's the reason that's important. There's two times that people think about this, right? Once is when we're sitting here talking, and when do you think the next time is? When something happens, right? So if the only thing this did was give you the peace of mind that if something did happen, you could focus on getting healthy as opposed to stressing about bills, it'd probably be worth it, wouldn't it? Yeah, so is that cool? Just give me, after we go through it, if it makes sense, just give me a big yes. If it doesn't, just give me a big no. Is that fair enough? Yes. And once they give give you the affirmative, that's when we move in to the demonstration. Right on. So study this stuff so that you can be intentional with every step of the cycle of the sale. In the approach, be low and slow, be calm and confident. The only intention of the approach is to get a sit down. When you're building rapport, only build it until you've made yourself a person and not just a salesperson and then move on. The intro is where the sale is made. So this should be and can be the longest part of your cycle. When you're reading your claims, read them with intention as well to the point where it becomes very clear that this is a service that we get to provide and our job is not to pitch them. Take all the pressure off, right? They do not have to buy, but they do have the opportunity to make a decision for themselves. And we will dive into um, how closing is one of the best services that we can possibly provide, provide as salespeople in the coming episode. So go choose a great attitude, have an awesome day, and we'll see you next time. This has been an Elevated Podcast production. Thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to check out our Instagram page at Elevated Financial. Like, share, and let us know what you want to hear more of.